Please speak for a few minutes and then I can go and sit down so we can dance. <laughs> I came to dance today. <laughs> uh, Hebrews chapter 4. I'm just going to speak using the title Entering God's Rest. Hebrews chapter 4 from verses 1. Through four. Hebrews chapter four, verse one through verse four. Verse one. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest, as he has said, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has spoken in the certain place of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this place, they shall not enter my rest. Let me just end in verse 6. Since therefore it remains that some must enter it, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. Let's just stop right there. Now, entering into God's rest. It is important for us in order to understand what this author or writer of Hebrews is saying to understand the context. The context a lot of times gives us supporting information that helps us bring clarity and understanding to the message. So, in that verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 4, it says, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, lest any of us, or let us fear that any of you. So, the first thing I want us to define is, who is you? In that verse 1. Lest any of you, who is the you he's talking about? Lest any of you seem to have come short of it. Then in verse 2, it says, for indeed the gospel was preached to us. Now, so now there's a, a distinction between the you of verse 1 and the us of verse 2. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. So the them of verse 2 and the you of verse 1 are the same. And to us of verse 2 is a different one. It is important we understand that distinction so we can get proper perspective and therefore understanding of what this author is saying. There are two different audiences here. The you of verse 1 is referring to the exodus generation of Hebrews. Those Hebrews who were in bondage in Egypt 
And through the blood of the Passover lamb overcame the rigors and the bondage of Egypt and came out into the wilderness on the way to the promised land. Do you get that? Uh, you guys are going to have to talk to me, man. You guys were talking to me a minute ago. What happened? <laughs> Praise God. So that you of verse 1 is referring to the Exodus generation of Hebrews. Amen? Amen. Now, in verse 2 it says, Indeed the gospel was preached to us. So who are the us? If the you of verse 1 is referring to the Exodus generation, that is the Jews or the Hebrews who came out of Exodus, who then is the us? The us are the Jews or the Hebrews, many of whom were alive during Jesus' ministry, who have now made a transition from Judaism into Christianity, but were under severe persecution by the old guys who were trying to pull them back into status quo Judaism. So this writer, who many believe to be Paul, was exhorting the Hebrews. He said, listen, let me read it. Verse 1, Hebrews 4. Since a promise remained of entering his rest, let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. No, I don't know if I mixed it up when I was saying it. Actually, the you is the current, is the Hebrews who, are, who had gone through the transition, who are now alive, and many of them made a transition to become Christians. Okay, okay. So he said, listen, let us fear. Now, what, 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 fear about what? What should they be afraid of? Are they, is he saying that they should be afraid that they will lose what God had given them? Is he saying they should be afraid that if they don't meet certain criteria, meet certain obligations, do certain things, they, 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 God will kill them, destroy them, they lose their salvation? Is that what he's talking about? Absolutely not. And it's important we get that right right off the bat. Because their gifts and callings of God, Romans eleven twenty nine, 29, are without repentance. God never uses fear as a motivation to do anything for him. The only thing God ever uses, we just sang it, love said not so. God is love and he always speaks to us through the avenue of love. Galatians chapter 6 verse 5 says, faith walketh by and through love. So this writer is not, is not telling these Hebrews to be afraid that they will lose something that they've gotten from God if they don't do certain things. Absolutely not. But he's telling them something, however, that they need to pay attention to what happened to the Exodus generation of Hebrews. What happened to those guys? Number one, they were in bondage in Egypt. No argument. Number two, by the power of the blood of the Lamb, God delivered them. Number three, they were in the wilderness. 40 years. Number four, they were sent through the wilderness 
on the way to their promised land. And by the way, the promised land was not heaven. Let's settle that right now. The promised land was not heaven. Because there were giants and demons in his promised land. There are no giants and demons in heaven. That's right. <laughs> Just take that off your traditional religious hat. This is not talking about heaven at all. The promised land was a place of fulfillment of all the promises of God towards them. God brought them out in order to bring them in. But this Exodus generation did not make it in because of unbelief. So, the writer of Hebrews is not talking to us, those Hebrews who've gone through the transition from Judaism and are now born again as Christians in the new dispensation, the early believers, is now talking to them. Like the Exodus generation, you've been born again by the blood of the Lamb. Like the Exodus generation, God has given you victory over sin and the power of the devil. Like the Exodus generation, God has given you good and godly promises which are all yes and amen. In Christ Jesus, Ephesians 1, 3, he's blessed us with all spiritual blessings. In Christ Jesus, in the heavenly places, all blessings has done. Now he says to them, you current Hebrews, you current generation of Hebrews, be careful so that like the Exodus generation who received the promises of God but because of unbelief never went in. Yes. So the admonition was, yes, you are set up, you are born again, delivered from sin, and God's given you promises. Now, don't be like those guys who even though they received the promises of God never went in because of unbelief. Now, how does that speak to me and you today? It speaks to us today very simply. In this room right now as I speak, and for those that's streaming, we have the Exodus generation, and we also have the current Hebrew set. Both are in the room. The Exodus generation are those people who has taken their salvation as a destination. You came out of Egypt, but you never moved further than coming out of Egypt because of unbelief, never growing up to continue to grow and in your closeness to God and intimacy. The promises are there. God is not going to take those promises away. They are there. They are for you. But like the Exodus generation, they celebrated living in Egypt, but never settled in growing their knowledge of who God was. And therefore they perished. For the second group of people, the Hebrews who made the transition, you're also in this room. You're born again. God has delivered you from the power of darkness. Thank God. He's given us promises. But for many of us, we misunderstand what rest means. Like the Exodus generation people, we totally, completely shut down when, as believers, we have obstacles. We think now that we are born again and we have the promise of God's rest. 
that it means everything will happen automatically. Absolutely not. Your being born again qualifies you to enter into the battleground. Because you must understand that even for the Exodus generation, God gave them the promises of the promised land. Canaan. Houses they never built. Cities they never built. Appliances that they've never furnished. Wells they never dug. Vines they've never planted. All of those is for promise. However, they will not come into possession of it without a fight. Yes, sir. So for this generation of Hebrew believers, all of us for the most part, you must understand that being in the body of Christ does not, uh, does not exempt you or cancel out all of the onslaught of the enemy. This is the huge point that must be understood as it relates to the rest of God. Amen. We are not exempt. Daniel was thrown in the lion's den. Yeah. The three Hebrew boys faced the fiery furnace. Are you hearing me? Esther lived under the threat of elimination. Yeah. Apostle Paul Man, do I need to tell you about his profile, his CV, his resume? I mean, beaten, flogged, left for dead. And this man is a man that's telling us about the rest of God. And yet, he understood what it meant to be persecuted, to be hated, to, 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 I mean, they they wanted to put his lights out. But in spite of all all of that, he said to us, there's a rest. There's a rest that remains for the people of God. Even Jesus, he was fully man. I'm fully full of the spirit of God. And yet, moments before he went to the cross, he had to ask God, are you sure? Is it possible that this cup pass over me? I'm bringing this to your recollection because you must understand that entering to God's rest does not mean no resistance. It does not mean no fighting. It does not mean no problems. It does not mean no obstacles. In fact, the moment you became born again, hell had a target on your back. You must understand that. Now, the good news, the good news for you and I is, no matter what the opposition brings, we must be resolved in our mind that no matter what the condition is, no matter what the situation is, it does not matter. You are on the winning team. Ah, hallelujah. I said you are on the winning team. This thing is rigged in your favor. Hallelujah. Heaven came together and God chose you before the time began. He adopted you before time began. He beloved you before time began. He, oh my God. He already rigged everything to work in your favor. All things will ultimately work to your good. Why? Because you are loved of God and you've been called according to his purpose. We must understand that. So what does the rest of God mean? And that's how does that apply to me and you when we have issues and problems? I'm glad you asked the question. Now, let, let's start with this. Old. Let me put this out there and let's start with this. Even for the Exodus generation, Hebrews, who perished in the wilderness, I hope your theology can take this. I'm about to stretch you. Those guys, Pastor Charles, never returned to Egypt. They never went back to Egypt. 
In other words, what they lost was not heaven. Do re mi la ti No. Those guys who were rebellious and disobedient and perished in the wilderness. At no point would you find in the scriptures that they went back to Egypt. They were delivered out of Egypt once and for all. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's go to the scriptures. Numbers 11. No, Numbers 14. Numbers 14. Now, I'm sharing this because you need to know the issue of your struggle in your rest is not the issue of your salvation. It was not the issue of their salvation for the Exodus generation and it is not the issue of their salvation for this generation. Numbers 14 verse 19. Verse 19 says, Pardon the iniquity of these people, I pray, according to the greatness of your mercy. Look at the next sentence. Just as you have forgiven these people from Egypt even until now. Did you see that? Yes, you didn't hear me. Did you see that? Yes, Just as God has what? Forgiven them from the time they were in Egypt up to now. Now, these were people that were disobeying God presently. Now, 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 now. And God said, I forgave them since then up to now. Well, you say, well, in a matter of two or three witnesses. Let everybody, every word, every word be established. I agree with you. Let's go to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. Verse 29. Hebrews 11 verse 29. Speaking of the Exodus generation Hebrews. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land. What's the Red Sea? What does it speak to us? Baptism. Whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. God just made a distinction between the Exodus generation and the Egyptians who are in the world. The Exodus generation people by faith. How could they do it by faith? Because they heard something. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So they heard the word of God, they responded to the word of God and by that faith they crossed the Red Sea. Which, by the way, you know, we, 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 we really denounce those guys because we read the account of the, all the mess up they did in the, in the scriptures, but you must give them a little credit. You know what, what I mean by that? Moses and old man just came one day and said, you know what? Kill a lamb. <laughs> We've been bondage for 400 years, but just, this, I'm old, I know. You may think I'm, I'm sana, but just believe me. This one time, believe me. Kill a lamb. Put the blood on the doorpost and the lintel. And all this suffering of 400 years will disappear. 
can you read it? You see, we, we read these things and we just take it on, on face value. Do you understand what that meant to those guys? Hard labor, sweat, toil, oppression, depression. For 400 years, they did not know anything about freedom. And some old man says, put the blood on the, on the, on the doorpost. And they all complied. There was no Hebrew left behind. That is great faith. But the point I'm making to us this morning, our salvation must never be allowed to become a destination. God has greater things in store for us. Great and good exceeding promises that's been made available, but we will not be able to attain those promises if we don't trust God. The rest of God speaks on, regardless of what you are going through, in spite of your situation, no matter what's happened to your family, your business, your work, your, your whatever you're doing, God is saying, listen, trust me on this. Amen. Amen. That's what the rest of God has to do about. Trusting God, no matter where you are, no matter what's happening, no matter what's going on in your life. And those things that are happening in your life will not always be things that are sweet. There will not always be things that are sweet. How sweet was it for Mary, the mother of Jesus, to sit down and watch her son be nailed to the cross? Can you go tell her in that moment, Mary, oh, what a wonderful thing. Thank God. Look at your son. I really appreciate you. Thank you for giving him. How well will she take that? How well was it for Paul to sit in a dungeon in prison after prison where God was inspiring him to write two thoughts of the New Testament? How sweet could that have been for him to be in that situation knowing, not knowing rather, how it's going to work out? What am I saying to us this morning? There are things happening in our lives. We don't understand them all. Because the secret things belong to the Lord our God. And only the things that are revealed belong to us and our children. I don't understand all of it. God is not asking you and I to understand. He's just asking you to trust. Listen. On the way to Vietnam, Atlanta to Seoul was 14 and a half hours flight. Now, when I bought the ticket and was boarding the aircraft... Did, did I have an understanding of how the thing is going to take off? No. Did, I, did you go to the cockpit and say, pilot, let me see your license. Do you know how to fly? No. All of us, we drove here this morning. You didn't come on a bicycle. You didn't walk. You drove a car. Do you understand how a car works? But that did not stop you. Your lack of understanding did not stop you in getting your key, getting that car, and expect for you to drive. But when it comes to God, when things are going south, we want answers yesterday. Tell me the outcome. When? How? How soon? Who? We want all the answers. And God said, listen, you don't have to understand. Just trust me. Just trust me. The outcome is in my hand. I hold the key to the outcome, not you. I'm not asking you to understand. I'm asking you to just trust me. 
That's the essence of the rest of God. The rest of God says, no matter what's happening around me, no matter what's going on in my life, no matter what I see, no matter what I hear, God, I know I'm saving your hands. My God, I've placed my hand, my life in your hands. I know you are able. I know you are trustworthy. I know you can deliver. I know, God, my God, I know you are more than able to give me victory, regardless of what the enemy has planned. And even when the outcome does not look like what we like, you must understand, God is an expert in making the mess of your life to become a message. He knows how to do it. He knows how to do it. That's his job. So the egg writer to to Hebrews was telling those guys, don't go back into rituals. Don't go back into temple worship. Yes, the persecution is tough. They're calling your children names. In the community, they bore, they, 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 they're looking at you funny because now you've become part of this Jesus people. But Paul was saying to them, don't because of the persecution and all of the irritation and all of the hardship around you, don't allow those things to cause you to go back to your old life. Amen. Because we already know the answer. What happens when you go to the old life? They perish. They perish. They perish. Just so I make this clear, I know I made a statement earlier about the fact that the promised land is not heaven. Now, I don't want anyone here to think that you can be a believer and live in sin, and therefore, because, because we're saying that those guys only went to Egypt one time, and da 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 da. No, 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 no. Sin has consequences. Yes, sir. Serious consequences. If we can wake those guys up, those 40 years in the wilderness, and all the things they went through, the ones that serpents bite. Can you imagine? Serpents are biting people in the camp. The ones the ground opened up and swallowed the whole family. The ones God just sent some serious attack and they just all perished. No, those things are not good. Absolutely not. There are consequences for our actions. Yes, sir. Must understand that. But what we are saying is that God is able to keep whoever is received and earned. Now it's up to us to cooperate with him. To trust God at his word. Hebrews 4.12. Give me that scripture, please. Talks about how the word of God is quick and powerful. And sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit. And of joints and marrow. And is the designer of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, before, before I get on that, let me, let me go to one more scripture in Matthew chapter, uh, Matthew chapter, give me Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Let me just tell us how it works and I'm done. Matthew 11, 28. Come to me, all you who labor and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. That's what we're talking about, rest. Now, that rest talks about how all of God's provision is already made. Adam did not come to the earth scratching his head how he's going to eat, what he's going to wear, how he's going to be. Every provision was already made before God brought Adam. Adam, his first day on earth was the rest of God. 
God rested on the seventh day. The seventh day was Adam's first day. Just so you understand what God has in mind for you. Okay, let's move on. Time will not allow me to come on that. Verse 29. Take my yoke upon you. This is a big deal. And learn from me. From gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Verse 30. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. This is the huge, this is the key here. The key to the rest of God is you and I understanding that without God, all the problems we are trying to solve, all the issues we're trying to resolve will amount to nothing. We can do nothing, absolutely nothing apart from God. That's what they say. Come unto me, I'll give you rest. How is he going to give me rest? Because in me coming to him, I become yoked together with him. Please yes. come, Pastor Charles. When I come to him, we are now yoked together. Hallelujah. If you understand agriculture in, in the Middle East, when a farmer is yoking the farm, when he's, when he's using yoke for the farm, two animals, two oxen are yoked together with the wood in the neck. The stronger one and the weaker one. And what happens is, the weaker one is just following the footsteps of the one that's stronger. So the stronger one is actually the one doing the work. But both of them get the credit. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, glory to God. Jesus said, come unto me. I will give you rest. How? Because when I come to him, my burden, my pains, all the issues I have, when I get to him, I yoked with him and he carries the burden, I'm just walking along. I'm a cheerleader. I said, Jesus, oh man, you are doing it. Oh my God, look at this thing. Things are changing. Oh God, you are doing it. You are doing it. He's doing the work. You are just cheerleading. That's what he's talking about. Come unto me. Bring your burdens. You see, we need to stop doing and start praying. We need to stop trying to fix things and start praying for God to do things. You recognize that in and of yourself, you can make nothing happen. But when you yoke yourself with him, he's the yoke man. He's the one leading, guiding. He's the, you're, just, you're just going along. You just say, ha, ah, this is wonderful. It's marvelous in my eyes. Look at what you are doing. That's what Jesus brings to the table. But he will not force that on us. We have to make a quality decision that we want him to be our yoke man, our partner, and go to him. And lay the burden. Say, cast your cares upon me. For I care for you. Cast your burdens on me, he says. And recognize that once, you, once you've cast it, don't take it back. That's, that's our problem. As humans, we give God a time limit. This problem, God, you have got to fix it in three days. As long as you do it in three days, I'm on. I'm on board. I'm at rest. But God, if you don't do it in three days, I'm picking it back up. That's why we make the mistake. That's right. Trust him. He brought you this far. He take you all the way through. That's how you enter into rest. You trust God. You just say, God, it's on you. Even when the outcome is one you cannot explain. When the current 
happening. It's something that defies the odd. You cannot explain it. Fine, God is not asking to explain. Look at this thing that's going on in Southern Africa with uh, this, rev- this prophet. That, that's, you know, Reverend, uh, what, what, is, what do they call his name? Whatever the name, prophet's name is. Yeah, why does anybody have to defend God? Why? Why are we having an argument about miracles? If it's God, it will stand. Absolutely. And if it's not God, it's just going to be a matter of time. We will know. Yeah. Where's Awunzia? Exactly. Of Zoe Ministry in Nigeria. Exactly. Seven cars line up. Zoe 1, Zoe 2, Zoe 3, Zoe 4, Zoe 5. They, they take over the road. Zoe, Zoe is coming. Miracles are happening. The lame is walking. The blinders are open. Where is he today? Where? Where is he? Since when did anybody have to defend God? Yeah. Who created man's mouth? Who created your eyes? That I will go and say I want to defend God. Really? He needs to be defended? No. He doesn't. He doesn't. Let's just face our business. We live to God what only God does. And we respond to God to do what only he can do. In and through our lives. Amen? That last scripture, Hebrews 4. Verse 12. Hebrews 4 12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and it's a design of the thoughts and the tense of the heart. This is the point. You notice this scripture is right there in Hebrews chapter 4, where it's talking about the rest of God. And then this scripture is just inserted. Why? God is saying, I'm inviting you to my table to feed. As you come to the word of God, to read and study the word of, word of God, the word of God has the ability to read you where you are. Right there, as you are reading the word. Ah, God said, Charles, you have fear. You know. mm-hmm. Oh, Charles, you are concerned about this. The word of God has an ability to place you in your current situation. Yes. And speak to that thing in that moment. Absolutely. Because the word reads the intents of the heart. It knows. He knows how frail we are. He knows the issues we are faced with. He understands. He went through them. And yet without sin. And so the chapter closes in verse 16. Hebrews 4, 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Why is this so important? If you allow the enemy to beat you down with guilt, shame, and condemnation, you lose your boldness. Oh, I'm supposed to be a mighty man of God and have a headache. How can I let my congregation not have a headache? Ah, man of God, you have a headache. If you have a headache, your word is no longer good. So without guilt, and shame and condemnation, the enemy just shuts you down. Yeah. You cannot go boldly any longer. Because now you're wondering, ah, what's wrong with me? How can, ah, I'm preaching about healing and now I can't heal myself. How about Paul, the apostle, who has infirmity in his body and yet handkerchiefs was taken from him and people are getting set free. Yeah. That's what I'm saying to you about the rest of God. You must understand that the outcome is not in your hand. Don't manipulate the outcome. You are not in control. God just says, trust me. 
God, I don't know why I have a headache, but even though I have a headache, I'm still going to trust you and lay my hands on the sick and expect for them to recover. The enemy will shut us down before we can even get started. But the only thing God recognizes is boldness. Let us therefore come how? Timidly? Oh, no, no. Let's just go hiding. Let's, let's just hide. Oh, no, no. Let's sneak in there. Let's just sneak in. When you know who you are, as the adopted son or daughter of God, you don't have to hide. You don't have to be timid. You don't have to be ashamed. You don't have to be guilty. You both. Come on, man. Too many things are happening in our time here now in the U.S. to help us to understand that you don't have to be like that. Boldly. Do you know who I am? I'm the son of the most high God. Come on now. I expect us to open. I expect people to listen. I expect things to happen. Why? Because of my DNA. The creator is in me. I'm made in his image and likeness. And there's no apology for it. You're bold. You're bold. Pastor Bakari was telling the story once of Lester Sermon having a very important board meeting. And his grandson, who does not understand board meetings, don't care about board meetings, all he wants is his cereals and milk and cookies, bust through the room and sat on the man's lap. Pastor Bakari said he almost fell off the chair. Ah, this little boy is going to disrupt our meeting. Uh, Lester Summer said, oh, no, no, leave him alone. Yeah. His man, why? why? Why could he do that? Relations. DNA. Yeah. It carries the man, and the man recognized that. Amen. And you must understand that God is entrusting to us, mm. not just his DNA, but the ability to get things done in his behalf. Yeah. Come boldly to the throne of grace that we may what? Obtain mercy. Amen. Why do you need mercy? Because I've done something that's, that may not be right. God knows that. He knows. You may keep it from your wife. You keep it from your husband. You keep it from your children. But you cannot keep it away from God. He knows that you and I are always in need of mercy. And so before you ask, he gives it to you. But you have to come to the throne. That you may obtain what? Mercy. And then after you've got mercies extended to you and grace to help in time of need. God's favor, God's ability that you did not deserve, that you did not merit, that you did not earn in time of your need. God help us as a people to press in and enter into your rest. In Jesus' name. Good. Just if you just bow your heads for a minute. There may be people here this morning. I don't want to take any chances. Maybe you came because of the celebration for Dr. Jordan. And you've not left, Israel, uh, you've not left Egypt yet.